Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, it is. Presented by Progressive Insurance, the great Bob Costas, a half hour away on the Goodyear Hotline as Legendary Voices Week continues and on it will roll again. I told you we got more and more people saying yes to this. So now all of a sudden, instead of one week, it might become two weeks of Legendary Sports Voices and we're having a great time doing it. Uh, We do, however, have to do something here. I mean, I think we're going to have to have an excommunication. So here's the way this thing works. The name of this show is Hashtag Greenie, and that has become sort of a a little bit of of a... you know, an inside joke with us, because no one ever includes the hashtag. I didn't mean for it to be. I didn't mean that I'd come on the air and say, hello, I'm hashtag Greeny. But, you know, the hashtag has become sort of a running joke, and the people who work on the show, I call them the hashtag crew, hashtag Hembo, hashtag Bubba, hashtag Nuno. And we just, in- we just included hashtag Devin. He is the newest and youngest member of the staff. And I believe he is now, I'm going to have to dock him his hashtag. Devin, I don't know that you you deserve the hashtag as we were all naming the sports events in history we would most like to attend. And people are naming the greatest moments in history. And you, Devin, named the Malice and the Palace game as though the single greatest thing that could have ever happened to you as a sports fan was to get punched in the face by Meta World Peace. I'm flabbergasted, Devin, by this. I didn't want to be the one getting punched. I didn't want to be on the other side of the arena watching oh, yeah. it all unfold. But no one ever wants. It's all fun and games until someone's getting punched in the face at the old ball game. So, so I, again, I believe you're now going to have to earn back membership into the hashtag crew. Because, you know, this is, I am judge, jury, and executioner when it comes to this. And I believe you have now lost your hashtag. It is now hashtag Nuno, hashtag Bubba, hashtag Hembo, and just Devin. And if you're going to get the hashtag back, you're going to have some work to do. You're going to have some fences to mend. It's the, listen, I run a tight ship. So that's just the way this is going to be. Okay. Let me get to the next item of business here. I really wanted to play this for you because this, I think, is interesting and important. And it goes well beyond sports. Shaquille O'Neal was on Dan Patrick's show. And he was talking about the mentality of young players today. And I assume you're following this. Shaq has been very critical of some players over the course of this season. Very notably, it happened with Donovan Mitchell, and there's been some other times where Shaq is, he's an analyst, he's analyzing, and he's giving strong opinions, and not all of them are friendly. I shouldn't say it that way. Not all of them are positive. And Dan asked him about it. And here's what Shaq said about this generation of athletes. A lot of people right now, oh, you're too hard on the youngsters. I'm just doing what was done to me. I can remember when I was averaging 30, 35 in LA, but we'd always get swept. And the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said, hey, he hasn't won a championship yet. Did I whine? Did I cry? Did I complain on social media? Nope, I didn't say anything because what am I going to do? Have a dispute with the greatest NBA player ever? So when he said that, when he gave me constructive criticism, I took it and I listened and I brought my game to another level. So these guys now, they're, they're pudding pops. I really like that. Pudding pops, he said, about how soft the young athletes are of this day. And I think this is a really interesting discussion to have. And here's my immediate thought on it. The biggest difference between the athletes of today and the athlete of Shaquille O'Neal's generation is Twitter. That is what has changed everything. Because during Shaquille O'Neal's day, Michael Jordan's day, the day of basically everyone before LeBron, LeBron is the first immortal, let's just use the NBA, of the Twitter era. Those guys would hear criticism. They might get booed in the arena. They might 
hear it on television from an analyst or on the radio from someone like me. But they could escape from it. It wasn't constant. It wasn't in their lives all of the time. And with Twitter in particular, social media in general, but with Twitter in particular, the generation of athletes who grew up in that consider it to be important enough that they do not ignore it. They, they hear it, they live it, they respond to it, they internalize it. It matters to them. Someone like Kevin Durant has a burner, and I don't mean this negatively, someone like Kevin Durant has a burner Twitter account to respond to trolls. Someone my age, someone of my generation, and I will not accomplish in my lifetime one one millionth of what Kevin Durant has. Kevin Durant is one of the greatest and is going to retire as one of the greatest players in the history of the sport. He's going to retire with a billion dollars. He has an unlimited menu of things he can do. He has eagled the whole of life. And he is so concerned about what someone thinks of him, some random person with whom he will never come in contact, that he actually had a burner account to respond to it. And so, listen, if there's one thing I can offer as a 53-year-old man who has been to some degree in the public eye for a long time, it is this. This is a perfect opportunity for you to try some active listening. Unsolicited advice. And this is particularly important for young athletes. I'm talking about college-age kids and others. Do yourself a favor. Don't read the mentions. The mentions are not there to help you. My friend Jalen says it great. People come into your life for four different reasons or four different purposes. To add or subtract, to multiply or to divide. And I would ask you if those things, view your life in the following way. If those four were gardens, if people who come into your life, some of them are there to add to your life. Some of them are there to multiply in your life. Others are there to subtract or to divide. If those four are gardens, Which ones are you watering and which ones are you letting die? Which ones are you tending to with great care? Which ones should matter to you? Which ones should you want to see flourish? And which ones should you ignore? Which ones should you let die off like weeds or whatever the actual gardening analogy of this would be? I'm here to tell you that if those things get into your head, what you are doing, and I have gone, I have looked into this a lot, because when I first became a public figure, it was before Twitter, but a lot of the negative feedback that you get, that is, it is just inescapable when you are a, a reasonably famous person up to being a ridiculously famous person like someone like Kevin Durant is, it is inescapable that that stuff is going to be a cesspool. And if you allow it to bother you, what you are doing, what you yourself, whether you realize it or not, are choosing to do is you're giving people who do not have your best interest at heart power over your life. You're allowing them to determine how you think, how you feel. And whether you realize it or not, you're allowing them to determine, at least in some part, how you feel about yourself. And that is a huge mistake. And so if there's anything, if there's any unsolicited advice that you should, everyone should listen to, it is this, that if reading the feedback, if, if paying attention to the mentions or the feedback on social media or wherever else you get it, if, if you find it funny, if it fuels you, if you're someone like Reggie Miller who, who was fueled by the negativity, great, great, use that. I'm all for that. This is about you. But if it is something 
that deflates you, that bothers you, that hurts you, that makes you feel more vulnerable, that in some way you internalize in ways that diminish you. You're choosing to do it. You may not realize it, but you are choosing to do it. Because on this phone, if I don't, I go on Twitter all the time. If I don't touch the little thing that says mentions, I don't see them. And you know what happens? Nothing. It's like they never existed. They just go away. And it is the same thing as if they had never been there in the first place. It took me a long time to learn that. And I strongly advise it to all young people. My kids will laugh because they've heard me have this conversation with them a thousand times. And if you're a young NBA star, you can't avoid it, you think. I can't avoid all the negativity. Well, here's one way you can. So that's my unsolicited advice <coughs> for this day. And I don't think Shaq is wrong, but I think it is, it is there's a way to explain it. All right, coming up, uh, the Green List today, Bob Costas Live, and the craziest story you will hear in sports, bar none, I promise, is next. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Greeny, the podcast. I'm Greeny, and we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Call or click today. Find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Bob Costas live in 15 minutes. Great day today, and a reminder, if you ever miss anything on the show, we become a podcast. The show is two hours long. I'd love you to hang out with me on the radio for two hours, but if you miss anything, it's a podcast. They take each hour, make it its own individual one-hour podcast. It's called Hashtag Greenie, and you can hear it anywhere you listen to your podcast. Before I get to the green list, I promised you the craziest story that you will hear in sports today by far, and now I will make good on that promise. This is just a newspaper clipping that Nuno sent to me. Shreveport, Louisiana is the dateline. 
And the date is 1983. This is a story, a newspaper story, a UPI story from 1983. That was a wire service once upon a time. And here comes the story. Hiding behind an alias, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Terry Bradshaw entered a North Louisiana hospital and underwent minor surgery for muscle tears in his elbow of his throwing arm. During his stay, Bradshaw made rounds in the hospital to visit sick sick children and really cheered them up, officials said. Terry Bradshaw by that time was already a four-time Super Bowl champion quarterback. He was admitted to Doctors Hospital on March 3rd under the name Thomas Brady. Bradshaw, who owns a farm south of blah, blah, blah. Uh, the, The rest of it really doesn't matter. I want you just to consider this for a moment. Terry Bradshaw in 1983 had surgery on his elbow, and in the hospital, he went by the name Tom Brady. Now, the actual Tom Brady, or the person we think of as Tom Brady, at that time would have been six years old. He was born in 1977. Terry Bradshaw had elbow surgery in a hospital and chose an alias and chose the name Tom Brady, (laughs) the original TB12. What are the chances of that? Same initials. They wear the same number. They play the same position. Bradshaw won four Super Bowls. Brady is the one who broke all that that record and all the rest of the Montana we know tied it. But what are the odds of that? That is the I don't know what to say about it. Like, what am I supposed to say about it? Just reading the whole story is interesting. Following surgery, Bradshaw went to New York to film a commercial and serve as Grand Marshal for the Coca-Cola 500 stock car race in Hampton, Georgia. I just find that interesting, not for any really important reason. But so that is the story that is just sort of making the rounds right now. And it's one of those where you just say, what the hell are the odds? The odds are unquestionably a trillion to one. The list is what determines who matters in this business. The Green List. All right, I think all of us except Devin agree today was the best Green List that we've ever done. It was inspired by the 59th anniversary yesterday of Will Chamberlain's 100-point game. And I'll run through them again quickly if you aren't with us because we enjoyed them so much. These are the top five sporting events I would most like to have attended. What are the five events in history in sports that I would most like to have attended? Number five. Larson is ready. Gets the sign. This strike ball one. Here comes the pitch. Strike three. A no-hitter. A perfect game for John Larson. Yogi Berra runs out there. He leaps on Larson. And he's swarmed by his teammates. Listen to this crowd roar. NBC TV with the call. That's October 8th of 56, Game 5 of the 56 World Series. Don Larson pitches a perfect game, and I explained earlier. The reason is, I've never been in the ballpark for a no-hitter. I was there for a game that got within one out, broken up with two outs in the ninth. Otis Nixon with a single on a chilly day at Wrigley Field in April of 93 off of Jose Guzman. The atmosphere in a ballpark when a no-hitter is getting close, every single pitch it could end. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be there that day in Game 5 of the World Series on a perfect game so every, every moment the ball is handled, it could end. A walk ends it. An error ends it. A hit-by-pitch ends it. So that, that, to me, I can't even fathom the, the excitement of literally every pitch of that game. That's number five on the list of events I would have given anything to be at. Number four. I think we got a heck of a shot of winning. We beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. That's the great Joe Namath. Number four on my list is Super Bowl three. 
I told you the story earlier today. I was one and a half years old um, when the Jets won Super Bowl three. And of course, my fandom of the Jets plays into this. But the truth is, it's the greatest upset in championship game history in pro football by far. And one of the greatest upsets in the history of team sports for the Jets, an 18 point underdog from a league that people were saying didn't even belong on the same field with the other league. This would be like a team. What, what was the, the XFL? This would be like an XFL team playing against the Buccaneers and winning. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be quite that, but it was kind of that. And the Jets won that game. I would, and of course, my fandom of the Jets, I would give anything to have been in Miami that day. That would be number four on my list. Number three. Three on my list is Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson in Tokyo, February of 1990. I remember watching it. I remember being as shocked by that as anything I've ever seen. Biggest upset I've ever witnessed. And to be in the building, in the arena, or wherever it might be for an upset, I think is thrilling. I remember... What was the name of the Italian tennis player who beat Serena in the semifinals of the U.S. Open a few years ago? Marta? Something like that. Serena was the most prohibitive favorite you've ever seen at the U.S. Open. And there's that moment when you think to yourself, wait a minute, this could happen. This woman might actually beat Serena. And then it just builds and builds and builds until it actually does. There's something about that upset that is just incredible. To have been there for Buster Douglas to knock out Mike Tyson, the baddest man on the planet, who I didn't think would ever lose a fight as long as he lived, I can't even imagine. Roberta Vinci. Roberta Vinci is correct. That's her name about five years ago, whatever yeah. it was. Beat Serena in the, in the semis at the Open when Serena was as big a favorite as you have ever seen, ever. And that's sort of the analogy I think of. I remember watching that match and thinking to myself, wait a minute. She could win this. <laughs> and when that realization hits you, it's sort of a big moment. And then, of course, it actually happens. Number two. All right, number two was Jesse Owens in the 36 Olympics at Berlin for all of the reasons that are involved for him doing it in the face of Adolf Hitler. I mean, I mean that not figuratively, but liter- not literally, but figuratively. And one of the great victories of, for humanity in the history of sports, um, not only uh, dispelling forever the... The, the disgrace that was the Aryan superiority uh, belief of Adolf Hitler. But further, I told you the story of Marty Glickman, who wasn't allowed to even compete in those Olympics because he was Jewish and all of that. If, if you listen to the podcast later, if you get a chance, I told these stories in greater depth. I don't have time for it now. But Jesse Owens in 36, the magnitude of that, it might be the most, in its own way, the most meaningful sports victory that there has ever been. But number one. Number one. You got 10 seconds. We just talked to Al Michaels about this yesterday, that call, legendary, the miracle on ice. What would you give to have been there for that? So that is today's green list, the top five events. I would give anything to have seen Larson's perfect game, Super Bowl three, Buster Douglas, Jesse Owens, and number one, the miracle on ice. Our legendary voices week continues with Bob Costas next. We will ask him what one event would he most like to have broadcast. We'll do that and more as we continue in a moment. Costas with me on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. 
Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Greeny, the podcast. The moments and the voices behind them. Tarasco going back to the track, to the wall. And what happens here? He contends that a fan reaches up and touches it. But Richie Garcia says no. It's a home run. A pop in the shadow left. The New York Yankees, world champions, team of the decade, most successful franchise of the century. Jordan, open. Chicago with the lead. This is Legendary Voices Week with Greeny. On ESPN Radio, all those calls courtesy of NBC, the voice is unmistakable. We are live, as always, from above the Heineken River deck at Pier 17. And Legendary Voices Week continues with the one, the only, Bob Costas. Good morning, Bob Costas. Hello, Greeny. How are you? Well, I'm well. And I'm going to begin this story. I'm going to begin this conversation with a story you will find amusing. So okay. here's, here's what happens. So Hembo, my researcher, has been with me for 10 years now. And he just Mm -hmm. today told me something that I had never known before. And that is that the first time he heard me describe you as my idol, I've said many times, you've heard me say many times that you were my professional idol growing up in this business, that the first time when he was working on Mike and Mike that he heard me say that, he found it peculiar because it was his perception, just looking at the two of us, that you were younger than I am. (laughs) He thought I am, he thought, how can that be? Greeny is older than Bob Costas. And I said, I think that Bob will find that story amusing, and so I will open the conversation with that. I am somewhat amused and also somewhat befuddled <laughs> because you're not just slightly younger than me. You're considerably <laughs> younger than me. So I don't know where to go with this uh, except, um, you know, facials, loofah baths, whatever it is you need to do, Greeny, to kind of keep up. Well, he, he, he then went into a wait, lengthy did I description. Just I, oh, wait a minute. Did I just suggest yeah. inadvertently that I'm taking loofah baths or whatever? <laughs> I'd like to withdraw that. You did, you <laughs> what did. sort of path have you led me down here? <laughs> we're, we're a minute in, and I already wish I hadn't done it. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't suggest it. You sort of confirmed it. And, 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 yeah, it, well, okay. <laughs> it is the more direct way. But no, so Hambo's so young that he has just been seeing both of us on TV basically his whole life. And, and then he yeah. went into a whole description about how spry he finds you to be. He finds you very youthful looking and very, I believe, what was the word you used? Was it spry? It was spry. I think it was spry. Very spry. And I said, <laughs> I think Bob will <laughs> like that. Am I doing calisthenics on the set? <laughs> very boyish. <laughs> very boyish. That was the right. other word. Boyish. Okay. Yeah, Let, yeah, yeah. Let's get to business. So, so Bob, here's the first thing I want to wait, ask you. Wait a minute. What, do, you want, do you want me to give you another story related to that? Of and course. Then we'll let it go? Please. Okay. Uh, you wouldn't think something funny would come out of this circumstance, but it did. Muhammad Ali's memorial service, summer of 2016. Uh, it's such an occasion that they have to hold it in the arena where Louisville plays their basketball games. And there's quite a cross-section of people there. And it takes a while before the service begins. So 
for about an hour or so, people are just kind of gathered and they're talking in small clusters. And four or five of us are having such a conversation when in walks Don King in a full Don King getup. So just picture Don King, and he's got the American flag jacket, and he's waving a miniature American flag. He's got that big beaming smile, and he greets each person with a short biographical sketch. So he says, Mike Tyson, once the most feared man in the ring, Coach Pat Riley, straight off the pages of GQ, Sugar Ray Leonard, not a mark on him, still as beautiful as a child. Katie Couric, America's sweetheart. And he turns to me and he says, Michael J. Fox. Let's <laughs> <laughs> talk about boyish, right? And, so, and Katie, Katie goes very gently, uh, Don, Don, it's Bob Costas. And King is so shameless without missing a beat. He says, Bob Costas, greatest commentator in the world. <laughs> Oh, my God. I've never heard that before. That is phenomenal. Greeny and Bob Costas with you. Legendary Voices Week, the legendary voice, which is unmistakable. Okay, phenomenal story. Now let's get down to business. So we do this thing called a green list on the show every day where I pick my top five, this, that, or the other. And today, because yesterday we made a big deal about the anniversary of the game in which Will Chamberlain scored 100 points, Mm -hmm. I named my five events that I would most like to have attended in sports history. And we let the callers do the same. And I thought, here's an interesting question for Bob. You've broadcast and been in attendance for so many huge events mm-hmm. in sports history. What is the number one event in sports history, whatever it might be, that you were not present for, that you would most you would give anything to have had the chance to broadcast? You know, one thought that comes to mind is Jackie Robinson's first game mm-hmm. at Ebbets Field for the Dodgers, April 15th, 1947. But what happened in the game itself was not that eventful. What Jackie did in the game was not that eventful. It was his mere presence. There's so many to choose from. Uh, but I guess what pops into my head, just to be able to verify it, if you could go back in time and know what you were looking for, have the advantage of knowing something about it instead of just watching it unfold in real time, I think I'd like to be at Wrigley Field in 1932 to judge for myself whether Babe Ruth really called his shot or whether he was just motioning derisively out at Charlie Ruth, the pitcher, or toward the Cubs' dugout where they were heckling him uh, mercilessly. That's a great one. And, of course, that game wasn't televised or we would know it and all the rest of that. Yeah, it's, it wasn't televised. Exact, exactly right. Yes, a, and they didn't have cell phones either. <laughs> no one tweeted anything about it right after it happened, Bob, which right, right. today means it didn't actually happen. Um, it's, okay, the great Bob Costas is with me. Now, now let's get down to some business here. I wanted to ask you some stuff about baseball. We haven't done a lot of baseball since I moved times here, and there's no one better to do it mm-hmm. with than you. And, and so much of the conversation when last we saw baseball, meaning the end of last year, at the end of the World Series, was about analytics and the way that is driving decisions in the sport mm-hmm. right now. There have been more strikeouts than hits in each of the last three seasons that had never previously happened the previous 140-whatever-it-is years before. So how do you feel analytics are impacting the game right now, its watchability and the enjoyment fans have of it, and what, if anything, do you think can or should be done about that? Yeah, I'm not late arriving to this one, Greeny. Mm-hmm. I've been saying for years that what may be good and clearly is good in some sense for gaining a competitive edge is terrible for baseball as an entertainment product. And now the ironic proof of that is that Theo Epstein 
is now working in the commissioner's office, in effect, like Dr. Frankenstein, Hmm. trying to advise them as to how they can get the monster back into the castle and stop rampaging across the countryside. Yeah, I'm one of the key guys who helped create this with analytics, says Epstein, and to great effect. But I recognize that it isn't good for business. It isn't good for baseball as an entertainment product. Now, there are several things that can be done. I can't take credit for all these ideas. Uh, In one case, if we get to it, it's Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the White Sox, uh, who I first heard it from. And others, Tom Verducci, uh, has suggested them. In Tom's case, what he suggested, he's not the only one. I've thought of this as well for a long time. You've got to outlaw shifts. Now, I know baseball, and I've always said this, baseball is different from other sports. You can't always uh, use an analogy and compare baseball to other sports. But in this case, I think it's relevant to say, look, uh, you can't be in the lane for three seconds. They either allow a zone defense or didn't for a while in the NBA. You move the three-point line in or back. There are all kinds of formations that are not permitted in the NFL. Uh, the blue line's there for a reason in the NHL. So you could say, look, you've got to have two defenders on either side of second base. Now, if that means that the left foot of the shortstop is touching the base on the shortstop side, and the second baseman's right foot is touching it on the second base side, that's okay. But you've got to have two defenders on either side of second base. Now, in the ninth inning or extra innings with the game on the line, if some creative manager wants to bring an outfielder in and stack the infield, as has happened occasionally, that's different, and you can go ahead and do that. Another thing that would help, more so than limiting relief pitchers to facing three hitters, limit the number of pitchers on a pitching staff. Hmm. It used to be generally nine or ten, around ten, let's say. Now you have some games where you have 14 pitchers, 15 pitchers. You're going to use them. This will change strategy, and it's something that that makes sense. And I also favor a 20-second or whatever number they want to put it at, a 20-second pitch clock with nobody on base. With a runner on base, that's different. But uh, a pitch clock with nobody on base, let's get things moving. You take a look at a game, not from the distant past, even from one generation ago. If you count the first delivery, if the clock starts on the first delivery, you might get three pitches, as long as it's not a foul ball. You might get three pitches thrown in the space of 20 seconds or so. But now the average time, and again, this is a Verducci stat. He's great at this. The average time between pitches in a big league game is 23 seconds. Baseball is supposed to have a pleasing leisurely pace. It's not supposed to have a lethargic pace. And what you get out of all this is fewer balls in play. Baseball has a great crop of young shortstops, more than any time in recent memory. Let them do shortstop things. Let them do Ozzie Smith things with only two defenders on either side and the shortstop and closer to to his traditional position. You're going to see more highlight reel type plays. And if there's the possibility of hitting the ball through the infield, which has been taken away largely now by shifts, it will diminish. It won't change it completely, but it will diminish this obsession with lifting the ball and hitting it over the shift and therefore attempting to hit it out of the park. It'll just change the approach to some extent, change the approach of hitters, all of which will be better for baseball as an entertainment product. Greeny and the great Bob Costas is with me. And as you're talking, the aforementioned Hembo is typing stats in feverishly. There were 22,000 
576 shifts in baseball last season. That's one in every three at bats. And, and I'm so happy to hear you saying all this, Bob, because whenever I suggest anything, I'm accused of hating the sport. People, because I have hosted shows for years that have focused primarily on football. Any, and, when I, and I love baseball. I grew up going to Yankee Stadium with my parents. I love baseball. And whenever I suggest... That, and, the people who are forecasting doom for the sport are dead wrong. The people who think that there's absolutely nothing wrong with it are dead wrong. The truth, as is yep. the case in most things, is somewhere in the middle. And anytime I suggest any sort of significant change like this, people will accuse me of hating the sport. Well, no one can accuse you of hating the sport. No one more famously loves it than you. So I'm delighted to mm-hmm. hear you say this. Yeah, back in the day, uh, when I think I was among the first to sound the alarm about what steroids were doing to baseball, did I do that because I disliked baseball? No, I did it because I was concerned about the state of baseball for a variety of reasons. And you want to see the game thrive. That's the reason to make these observations. Absolutely. All right, Greeny and Bob Costas. Next question. Hembo put a good one up here for me here that I, I hadn't thought of asking you. But we talked the other day about if you were starting a basketball team with any one player, who would it be? And, and we can argue for Luka Doncic or whoever it might be. How about baseball? If you were starting, if, if I gave you... A team. Congratulations, Bob. You now own a baseball team. Wow. And we're doing a draft of every, literally every human being currently walking the face of planet Earth. And you have the first pick. Who is it? Well, are we looking at 10 years, at five years, at this year? What are we looking you can answer at? however you choose. You, you, you're on the team. So I, I would think you would be concerned with more than just one year. And that, that was part of the discussion that we had in basketball. Yeah. We were considering younger players. Well, Mike Trout is 29. We'll be 30 this season so we mm-hmm. should have many good seasons ahead of him you know it's an ongoing discussion in mm-hmm. baseball the nature of the game um in basketball and in football the premier players in football at least if you're talking about the premier player being a quarterback uh they're involved in almost every play in some sense the camera is on them uh, in football half the time and in basketball you know that michael jordan was going to touch the ball almost every time down the floor LeBron is going to touch the ball almost every time down the floor. The problem is in baseball, no matter how great the player, currently or ever in the history of the game, he gets four or five turns at bat. Whether it's Willie Mays, Ken Griffey Jr., or Mike Trout, there might only be a couple of balls hit to him in the course of an entire game, and those might be routine chances. So that's the nature of the game, and it's also the nature of baseball and its playoff structure and whatnot and its long season that – the guy who is, the, by overwhelming consensus, the best player in the game, has played in three playoff games, three in his whole career. He's been in the majors for a decade. The Angels have played in three playoff games in that period of time. They haven't won a single one of them. He's never gotten onto the big stage of the World Series or anywhere close to it. Uh, it's not his fault. So I guess if I was starting a team at this point, at least for a few years down the road, I take Mike Trout and try and build around him. I think that's that that would be the right pick. We were talking about this in the context of Fernando Tatis Jr., the young kid who signed a fourteen year, yeah. you know, contract and all the rest of that and looks like he's gonna be special. One more thing. All right, Greeny that, the, that was the yeah. other one that came to mind. Yeah. That was my second choice. Yeah. He's that kind of good and that kind of young and you know, he's now worth three hundred and forty yeah. million dollars. So <laughs> life is pretty good, all right. things considered. One more quickly, I've got three minutes left. Uh, I think the last time we talked was right at the time that people were watching the uh, the last dance. And I recall that time so vividly. 
And people have become, I think, so obsessed with it. And you were such a huge part of that. In my recollection of it as a young reporter, you guys, you and Ahmad and Marv and, and everybody at NBC at that time were, were like larger than life to me. When you look back on that now, when people, when people, young people ask you, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just watching all these movies. What was it like being around Michael Jordan when he was the best? What is the answer to that question for you? Well, it was a period of time that will never be duplicated. Now, remember, it was preceded by the Bird Magic Johnson era, which mm-hmm. wasn't too shabby, uh, and overlapped Dr. J and many other great ones. But in the 90s, you had a perfect confluence of circumstances. Sports marketing came together. The dream team in Barcelona in 92, the game is becoming global. All the big games, this is no disrespect toward what cable TV does now. TNT's coverage of the NBA is magnificent. You know, Ernie and the guys uh, in the studio show, probably the best studio show in the history of sports television. But all those games were on NBC, many of them in prime time on weeknights. Michael Jordan and the Bulls were more a part of the cultural conversation than LeBron has ever been. It's no disrespect toward LeBron. You could make a case that LeBron and Michael are equally excellent. But LeBron is not as great as Michael Jordan was. Jordan's impact was greater, and he had more signature moments, beginning with North Carolina and the NCAA tournament winning shot, counting through the Dream Team, MVP in six NBA finals, six for six in those finals. Too many great moments to recount all of them here. And this is a difference. It's not LeBron's fault, just like what we talked about before, is it Mike Trout's fault. Your little blue-haired Aunt Matilda, if you have one, in (laughs) Omaha, wanted to watch Michael Jordan. She didn't have to know the difference between a three-pointer and a pick-and-roll. She wanted to watch Michael Jordan. That was the impact he had. And we were lucky enough to be the primary ones documenting that on NBC. And I think that as I look back on it uh, and some of the old games that they showed when there were no other basketball games to show from that 98 season – I think that we dramatized it, captured the theater, and documented the stories about as well as any network could uh, when we covered the Bulls of the 90s. Yeah, I I completely agree. Again, I was just a kid reporter covering the Bulls at that time, watching and idolizing you to my point, which is I know Hembo finds curious because he thinks I'm older than you are, so how it it was that you were sitting there and I was sitting where I was is complicated, but that's the right (laughs) way to put it. It is a time that will never be duplicated for more reasons than we could get into. I am out of time. Bob, you know how much I always appreciate this. Thank you. The very best to you in everything, and I hope I'll see you soon. Thanks, Greeny. Take care. You too. That's the great Bob Costas. And it is true that my kids to this day, now they do it mostly as a joke, but when they were little, they had heard me say whenever Bob would come on TV, they would hear me say that was my idol. And, and, and I will tell you a very quick story about that. When I first started out in the business, my great-uncle Harry had given me a briefcase. I carried a briefcase. Uh, I have not carried a briefcase now in a long time, but I started out in the business with a briefcase. And Sports Illustrated did a feature story, like a big, long feature on Bob. This would have been, I don't know, early 90s or something, and on his rise and his, you know, stardom and whatever it was. Did a whole long feature story on Bob Costas. You could probably find it somewhere. I took, I read it, of course, and I took that magazine and I put it in my briefcase and I kept it in there for as long as I had the briefcase because that was my reminder of who I wanted to be. I want to be that guy. I want to be Bob Costas. I, I, want, to, I want to sound like he does. I want to talk like he does. I want to think like he does. 
And of course, I would love to do all the things on the air that he does. And I, I have never gotten even close to any of it. Um, but as I have, um, as I've said many times, if you call me a poor man's Bob Costas, I consider that an extraordinary compliment. Uh, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Bob was with us as all our guests on the Goodyear Hotline. And now a very quick moment from DraftKings. Three title fights are taking place this weekend during UFC 259 in Vegas. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving all players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. And if you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. You pick six fighters, you stay under the salary cap, you pile up points for advances, takedowns, and much more. So do it. Download the DraftKings app right now. Use my name, Greeny, as the promotional code. You get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code Greeny. Only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. This has been quite a day. Thanks so much for hanging out. I'll see you back in Better Than Ever tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.